Hello, welcome to the Beastie Bothy, a monthly Folklore Scotland podcast about Scotland's mythological creatures. I'm Roisin. And I'm Rosie. That's right, we've reunited once again to talk about our favourite beasties and to promise never to challenge them to contests again. Mm-hmm. This month, we're diving deep into the Finn folk. But first, let's guess the beastie. All right, Rosie. So the beastie who is visiting our wee bossy today is known for having blue skin. That's your first hint. Okay. That could be a few things. Name one. That could be the Kaliach, but I did that last week, so it's not her. (laughs) (laughs) But I was uh, absent last time Mm -hmm. because of of something about a humiliating defeat. Yeah. Closer to a draw, listeners. Uh, (laughs) Your second hint. It lives in the waters between the mainland and the Isle of Lewis. Okay. Um, Otherwise known as the Minch. The Minch? Mm -hmm. It is indeed. Great name. Uh, Do you feel like you might know what this is? I think I might. I think I've put together the first two. Do you want want the third hint just to confirm? Yeah, go for it. Okay. In order to frighten this beastie, you must beat it in a rap battle, otherwise known as a rhyming duel. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So I think blue skin live in the minch. This might be the blue men of the minch. (laughs) It is indeed (laughs) the blue men of the minch, which are a kind of fin folk who uh, swim perpendicular to the water surface, which I absolutely adore because they rise out of the water and then just come right, right at you, just sticking <laughs> straight up out of it. Uh, and they are some of my absolute favorite beasties. But that leads us in to our beast of the month, which is the fin folk. Okay, so the fin folk. Fin folk are native to Orkney folklore, and they're ocean-dwelling, shape-shifting sorcerers. They live in the sort of underwater paradise city of Finfolkahim in uh, during winter, and they live in on an island called Hildeland during the summer. They're described as wading, swimming, and rowing boats, and they like to spend their summers kidnapping humans. Um, <laughs> That's so relatable. Yeah. They'll, for they'll... all the beasties that have been in the boffy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they'll go for anything, really. They'll go for men. They'll go for women. Um, Just whoever, maybe whoever's on the beach at like yeah. a poor time. Yeah. It's their own um, fault. And once you're kidnapped, you don't come back from Finn Fulkahim. So um, there's a few ways to kind of beat them, distract them, uh, like outsmart them. One is like cutting uh, the sign of the cross into the line sinker or drawing it on your hull. Another is throwing silver to distract them because they love silver. They'll just go for it. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, if you're, <laughs> if you're presenting me with some kind of unwashed man or a handful of silver, like, I know what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> there are three kinds of fin folk. There's the fin men, fin wives, and also mermaids. We also have fin folk 
used to apply to a lot of mermaid-like creatures. For example, the blue men of the Minch. Um, but first we have the laddies. Finn men are tall, dark-haired, and menacing individuals. They have a penchant for sorcery and can cross from Orkney to Norway or Iceland with just seven strokes of an oar using their magic. Not only that, but they could create illusions, make their boats invisible, conjure a phantom fleet, and control the weather. Finn wives, meanwhile, were female finfolk, which, you know, my gender isn't wife, but anyway. <laughs> they often interacted with mortals, supposedly sent to shore to earn silver for their husbands. Definitely have a thing for it. Once established in the community, a Finn wife would fulfill the role of a healer or a cunning woman to earn her silver. A cunning woman is basically another word for witch, but at the time it also like corresponds to people who just had a knowledge of herbs or a knowledge of basic healing. Um, just smarts, kind of common sense would be a cunning woman. Uh, oh, if this cunning woman, though, didn't make enough silver, her old husband would rock up and beat her black and blue, leave her bedridden. So really just wonderful, wholesome relationship there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the final kind of finfolk is a mermaid. So these are the daughters of the finfolk. Unlike their tall, gloomy relatives, they appear much like our stereotypical imagination would have them. Beautiful young women with the tail of a fish instead of legs. Mermaids are constantly searching for mortal men to wed, as marrying a finfolk will leave them without their magic, and worse, without their good looks. Which is just terrible. Can you imagine yeah, honestly, anything worse? A mermaid who's not an absolute 10. It's, what's the point? Yeah. Or worse, expelled. Or worse, yeah. Or worse, ugly. <laughs> <laughs> not even ugly, just like average. Just like, yeah. Just like, like, it's you like... just stop being an ethereal beauty and start being like, oh, I guess I have body hair. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so during the summer, they're living um, on Hildeland, which has become associated with the uninhabited island of Einhallow. Mm. I hope that's how you say it. I tried to Google it and I couldn't find anything. <laughs> um, the island rose from the depths of the sea um, or was invisible or was surrounded by magical fog. Um, either way, it was kind of hard to pinpoint. Um, and it was said to be a paradise with ample fertile farmland, warm weather and fat cattle. Although, Einhallow is a place you can visit at the moment. And it's just a really flat piece of land, tiny little island. Um, mm. I believe it's uh, owned by the National Trust now. And it's mm. a bird sanctuary. There is a 12th century monastery on it. So uh, we took it back from the Finn folk. We drove them away. <laughs> and I think that's where Einhallow gets its name, actually, because it means something like Holy Island. Mm. And it's because a farmer went to the island, was like, these Finn folk took my wife mad about it. So I'm going to walk around it nine times and draw nine holy circles, etc. And that's how we stole it back from the Finn folk. Well, um, yeah. I don't know whether to say good for us or like... Is that just like really colonial of us? I don't know, but the Finn folk do kidnap people, so there's they that. Do. And you know, like, he didn't get his wife back from that. <laughs> it was just more of a revenge kind of move because once you mm -hmm. go to Finn folk Ahim, you never, you never return. Mm -hmm. um, although, so this brings us to Finn folk Ahim, 
which if I lived there, I don't think I'd say, oh, a tiny island with nothing on it. Yes, please. <laughs> so <laughs> they had the pleasure of living in an underwater paradise called Finfokahim. At the bottom of some unknown sea, towers of pearl and gem-encrusted white coral erupt from a glowing kingdom. The finfolk play in crystal halls and ornate gardens of seaweed, so choked with wealth that gems and pearls lie in the streets. Here they raise sea cattle and sea horses, not the kind you're thinking of. Like, <laughs> think like Poseidon seahorses. What are they called? Hippocampi. Uh, and they also herd whales for milk, which is, I don't know, would you try whale milk? No. Can you milk a whale? I'm curious. Um, you know, there's like a whole thing where like whales like mammary glands, like they're like teats, I guess, mm-hmm. are hidden. They're like in like a sort of fold, basically. Okay, well so uh, to be honest, I feel kinda more impressed if they managed to milk a whale. Yeah. Like you can find the hidden nipple. Like I don't th- I don't know if there's even like there's maybe like one photograph ever or something like that i was reading about this randomly one time (laughs) you were reading about whale nipples tell me more well it was because (laughs) it was on my social media feed and this one you were trying to milk a whale at the time yeah it was on my social media feed and maybe this like tells you the kind of people that i follow but this Mm -hmm. one post had been shared about where it was a person who was just really obsessed with the topic because they were like just shocked that to one discover that whales had nipples and two find that they couldn't simply google a photo basically i don't know i mean personally i'm not too jazzed uh, like i'd about seeing that like like, i'm fine i know that google collects all of our information and i just hate for someone in google hq to be sitting there like whale nipples (laughs) (laughs) yeah because we've each got we've each got a personal uh google hq like the fbi you know yeah yeah (laughs) there's one for every person on earth um uh, so that's um uh what was i saying oh yeah whale nipples and then (laughs) Interestingly, there have been several stories of Selkies also living in Finfokahim. So that leads us into our deep dive. Oh, sh- Selkies, Finwives, and mermaids have similar qualities in the way they interact with mortals. Um, so chief among them is that they lose their beauty if they marry a fin man um to to the point where um they're considered repulsive (laughs) and this is so bad and so terrible um that it leads to the kidnapping of mortals so they don't have to be ugly um it saw i saw that it said in some places that if they marry a mortal they become mortal themselves which makes it sound like they're going to live on land um other times it's like they go beneath the the sea Mm. and then you have the thing with selkies where sometimes with selkies it's the other way around and they're the ones being kidnapped essentially um with um, their coats being stolen yeah 
And oh. interestingly, actually, sorry, not to interrupt, but one story really reminds me of the Finfolk uh, things because a really common story of the Selkie is the Selkie wife who has her coat stolen by a man, lives as his wife for many years, and then in the future, one of her children finds her coat and she returns to the sea. And in some versions of this story, she returns to the sea and she thanks her mortal husband and says, like, you gave me a good life, but I had a sulky <laughs> husband this whole time that you've stolen me from. And she's returning now to her castle beneath the sea at Finfolkahim, which I find just really interesting that you've got this like kind of melding of myths with mm-hmm. all of these fin wives and mermaids and i wouldn't be surprised if out there you have a version of that myth where it's a fin wife or a mermaid who has been taken as a wife and not a selkie yeah yeah um it's really interesting i didn't look into uh this specifically but i think in ireland it's the men that are really really ugly and the women are pretty um, and I, I I don't know if I ever read about there being this concept of the women getting uglier, um, but specifically I remember it saying that the women were pretty and the men were ugly. Um, Where do you think that comes from, that if the, you know they stay with a thin folk, they'll lose any kind of beauty that they have? Yeah, it's... I partly wonder if it's to do with there needs to be a reason why they would prefer a mortal um but also like just for story purposes it has to make sense why they would want a mortal um but also I wonder if it's like There's a little, to me, it seems like there's a little bit going on with the sort of most scary thing that a man can be in the case of the Finn men is like powerful and having like abilities that you don't understand and being able to easily kind of outmatch you or sink your boat or whatever. And the worst thing a woman can be is just really, really hideous. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's like it's so true any kind of female coded beastie is gonna have some kind of comment on her ugliness or her vileness mm-hmm. and i think just in story as well and um myth you get the maiden the mother and the crone and that's the only kind of role that these creatures can take so when you think about like a Finn wife is beautiful until she marries this Finn folk and then she becomes old. She's a crone. She's not magical anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I was going to say, the thing is, if the, if the mermaid becomes, she actually does become mortal when she marries a mortal, mm-hmm. assuming that beauty standards are similar to today in that like youth is like valued above all if she becomes mortal she'll technically lose the beauty anyway <laughs> like yeah. as she ages um but then at the same time is that supposed to not be the case and it's maybe meant to be this kind of mm. fantasy for 
like the men that they could have a eternally young and beautiful yeah mermaid wife if not that it may just be as myth so often is something to explain differences for a lot of these communities are very insular say a man comes back from a journey and he has a woman with him and this is his wife now and sometimes this was an unwilling wife sometimes it was willing or they were willing even it (laughs) and uh (laughs) The explanation for these people who either looked different or had different traditions, couldn't communicate, was that they were somehow not from this place. And Mm -hmm. so you get a lot of stuff about Finn folk have very human descriptions and then they also have very magical descriptions and they kind of exist in between real and imagined. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of like corresponds to people being unaware. So it's the same, like if you have a selkie man who impregnates a mortal woman, the focus is on the mortal woman and the baby that she has. And if a baby vanishes, it's because a selkie man takes it back from a woman who's been disloyal and not on the fact that a selkie man fell in love with a mortal woman, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to me that as well that the, like, the mermaids stand out as different because... Mm-hmm. Like, they are sometimes given the attribute of the fishtail. And, like, to me, that almost makes it sound like mermaids were, were like, a separate myth that perhaps was heard from other sailors or other places. And it was kind of like, huh, well, you know, it would make sense if the mermaid was the daughter of the finfolk. That's what would make sense. Yeah. Uh, During our research, actually... We, like I, f- I came across a website, Orkney Jar, which actually we use for almost everything. It's a great website. You should look at it. Yeah, but, so useful. So useful. But they were talking about how um, a folklorist ages ago said that in Orkney, there was an absolute certainty of the difference between the Finn folk and the Selkie. And they know what they're talking about, that these are two different things. And so this is was like an accepted idea and it was written down and so it's been accepted now as that being the way but Mm -hmm. with folklore you get so much crossover especially in britain because we were a seafaring people so you get stories from north and from ireland and the nord uh, nordic countries and slavic countries etc so there's a chance that these are all just iterations of the same kind of myth Mm-hmm. which I don't know I quite like might also yeah. just be that we've got lots of mermaids because we're an island and we're surrounded by water <laughs> yeah and you do get um, you get kind of stories of seals having personhood you get that kind of all over the place and selkie does just mean seal so there's definitely like there's definitely crossover there's definitely melding and but it also i know it's like it mentions that the fin folk are shapeshifters so yeah i don't know i think the lines it can be quite blurry yeah definitely blurry but if i saw a person in the water it could be a seal could be a person i think i wouldn't be too concerned about the lines at the time <laughs> i'll be like that's it that there's a beast <laughs> <laughs>
Now, most of the stories we have about the Finn folk come from Orkney and Shetland, and that's how we know what they look like and what kind of shenanigans they get up to. So, Rosie, can you share one of your favourite stories from the month, please? I can. So, once a long time ago, there was a boatman visiting the Kirkwall Fair, and he met there a dark stranger. The stranger proposed a deal, ferry his cow across the sea in return for twice the usual payment. The boatman, who had a wife and family to feed, leapt at the chance. Maybe his first warning should have been that when the stranger picked up the cow in his arms, um, he just like <laughs> carried it like it was a small child. Like it was, and, and it's like, an, this is normal. <laughs> it's an entire cow. <laughs> but you know, he just, he just thought of the payment and yep. proceeded without commenting on on that. <laughs> and, you know, maybe the second warning, maybe he also should have thought it was weird when the stranger was completely quiet, only breaking his silence to ask the boatman to go around to the east side of each island that they came to. Oh. Yeah, I know. Weird <laughs> request. Yeah. So the boatman knew the islands quite well and he just couldn't he couldn't think of where they might be going. Um, so he asked and he got only a close tongue keeps a safe head in response. Um, it was altogether too late to turn back though when a thick dense fog enveloped the boat and whether the boatman took that as a warning wouldn't really have mattered either way. Yeah. <laughs> so when the fog cleared he saw before him a green sunlit land. The air was full of an eerie yet beautiful singing, and when the boatman looked for its source, he saw mermaids basking in the shallows. This was when he knew that the stranger must be one of the dreaded finmen. All this he saw before a thick blindfold was fastened roughly around his eyes and the boat was pulled ashore. The cow was carefully removed and a heavy bag of copper coins left in its place, and just as quickly as he arrived, the boatman was sent away the Finman turning his boat Widdershins to face back south away from the island. Turning a boat anti-clockwise was a taboo no human mariner would commit. Outraged, the boatman ripped off his blindfold, but already the heavy mist had surrounded him once more. So he arrived safely home and he spent the next year in just kind of day-to-day humdrum life, you know, no incidents, just peacefully doing his thing. And then at the very same fair the following year, the stranger returned. As they shared a drink together, the boatman said to the Finn man, I'm quite happy to see you, as he was eager for another payment like the last one. At those words, the Finn man's grim countenance grew, if possible, even more gloomy. Did you ever see me? He said, drawing a small box from his pocket and taking a pinch of powder from inside. You will never have cause to say it again. And with that, he blew the powder into the boatman's eyes. The boatman's vision went dark and remained so for the rest of his days. What? what? Blinded him. <laughs> Blinded him. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, though, like, of course he saw him. He got into the the boat. Does he mean, like, the land? Did he come yeah. in a different kind of face? It, it's a weird... It kind of confuses me the way it ends like that. But um, I have read other fairy stories that um, that follow the same pattern where someone 
sees something that they shouldn't have, like they'll be warned, they'll be warned against it. Um, uh, there's this one, I think it's in Ireland, where a midwife is called to be a midwife to the fairies. And I think she has to wear a blindfold. Um, that has got to make her job hard. Yeah, either she's got to wear a blindfold or I think every fairy as they go in is taking like this ointment and putting it on their eyes. Hmm. And the midwife accidentally gets some in her eye. Like it's something like that. Either way, she sees something that she's not supposed to see. Um, but, you know, everything's fine and she returns home. But then she sees a fairy person in the street and that fairy person is like, well, you shouldn't have been able to see me and just like literally sticks their fingers in her eyes and and blinds her. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) So it it feels. Yeah. So it feels like this story is following that similar pattern, but it kind of gets a bit muddled with how it plays out because he had already seen the guy he'd already seen the mm. land but i think the the part at which he is supposed to have committed the offense is when he takes the blindfold off ah uh, yeah no that is that is really common seeing things that you just shouldn't have seen and mm-hmm. then being punished for that or speaking on things that you shouldn't have spoken about so um in the Cranach recently we did a story where a woman reveals that her sister's lover is a fairy man and Mm -hmm. because she revealed that the fairy leaves her sister and her sister comes like Mm. insane because of it so Mm. just another like you must never speak the name you must never see the person which interesting um i'm sure there's a lot of scholarly things we could say about it (laughs) Yeah, if we were scholars. If we were scholars. (laughs) Which, the message I'm getting from that is, snitches get stitches. (laughs) Should have known better. Yeah, I mean, I've I've even seen the the blowing of the powder before as well. I know that that's quite a common motif. And... Yeah, just like the general sort of vindictiveness of of fairy people again that's really common mm. definitely vindictive although that he, if he said like put the blindfold on then he takes it off i think maybe blinding is a bit far but smack yeah. upside the head at the very least you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was told he was told <laughs> you just watch this person lift a full cow into your boat anyone <laughs> yeah. i think i'm just gonna step to him he'll be fine he'll be fine yeah <laughs> So, moving on to our favorite facts, Roisin, what is your favorite fact that you discovered during the research for this episode? I am so happy to share something that I thought was really, really cool when I was researching was that Finn folk may actually come from the indigenous northern Scandinavian Sami referred to as Finnar in Norse. So we tend to see Finn folk and we think, ah, yes, mermaids, Finns, they're by, they're called Finn folk. Whereas it could actually just be referring to this description of the Sami or of people from Finland. <laughs> they're <laughs> Finns too. Um, 
And the Sami had a really interesting reputation. So they had a nomadic lifestyle. Um, they were absolute experts when it came to sailing and creating boats. One of the boats that they used to create was a very slim kind of kayak where only their head would stick out uh, from the top. And it was described many times as looking very seal-like, mm. which is quite interesting. And uh, because they were pagan, well, pagan, uh, they weren't Christianized. Uh, mm. When Christianity became a bigger thing in Norway and in Britain, they were seen to be sorcerers. And although this um, ability for sorcery had kind of stemmed from earlier, it really was enhanced with Christianity. So they were regarded as sorcerers with the ability to control the weather, travel great distances, and to shapeshift. Mm. So just a really interesting fact, I think, because I can imagine... Uh, if these people were nomadic, traveling around, going to different islands, perhaps washing up in Scotland one day, and you get a village of very pale little Scots going, what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Some seal has grown legs and is shacking up with my wife. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was really cool. It's interesting because I had heard that possibly they might have worn seal skins as part of their clothing and um that's interesting because we have a lot of stories in scotland and in ireland about there being a kind of taboo on hunting seals i've read quite a lot from ireland in scotland there's stories of like seal hunters existing but then the mm. seal hunter is punished by the selkies for killing yes uh, their family so i wonder if there was like a bit of superstition and fear over hunting seals uh, but then if these people were clearly like openly like wearing seals seal skins and like using seals to survive that would strike people as quite different mm -hmm. not only that i think more than anything seal hunting is just very dangerous Mm -hmm. um, and you have to have a lot of knowledge and skill in order to do it. And the people with the most knowledge and skill are indigenous people who've been passing down that knowledge for generations. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you were just some, some guy <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's a nice seal. I think I'll try and get that fall through the ice, go van like missing. People knew you were seal hunting. The only explanation there is that the seal must have exacted its vengeance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's your favorite fact, Rosie? My favorite fact that I learned was that Hildeland, the Finfolk summer home, uh, glimpses of it that people had might be related to a kind of optical illusion, like a mirage that would like cause what looks like a kind of sliver of land uh, to seem to be kind of floating around the, the horizon. Um, but it's just a, it's an optical illusion. And I thought that was just cool because, <laughs> well, they, they maybe really did see, see a weird island out on the horizon, which then was vanished when they actually got there. Yeah. It might just be kind of correlation um, mm -hmm. with Einhallow of like, there's this island that had been uninhabited for a really long time and a story about it associated with Finfolk. Ah, this must be... Hildeland. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, the optical illusion 
make sense really because there'd be no other explanation other than like that has to be magic because I was so certain that there was an island there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the deal with the fin folk. I think it's up to you to decide whether they are real beasties or maybe just real people. Um, so as always, we've now made it to our final traditional part of the podcast. Rosie, using our well-known and extremely well-researched scale, would you pet this beastie? Um, so tough when they're also people. <laughs> so tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, as much as I, like, claim to be an enlightened feminist who doesn't think that ugliness is the worst thing that can happen to a woman <laughs> i don't want to become a fin wife so at best i am like shoving the fin man or whatever away with like a 10 foot pole violent pet at distance. yeah <laughs> yeah I'd maybe pet pet in seal form. If it was a selkie, maybe. If it was a, a, a selkie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, to be fair, a person starts approaching me and like, come with me to my underwater kingdom. I'll be like, oh, no, thank you. Pet no, no, with no, no, hull no. of the boat, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's definitely a two, we're saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Based on our agreed upon skill. So thanks for joining us on this quick tour through the folklore of the fin folk. Try saying that ten times as fast. Folklore of the um, fin folk. Folklore of the fin folk. Folklore of the fin folk. Um, and we hope that we'll see you next month in the Beastie Bothy. Yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a review because that helps little podcasts like us get out there. And remember to follow us at Folklore Scotland on almost everything to find out more about our, the other podcasts the art, and the stories that we love to share. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Folklore Scotland podcast. We'll be back every week with more folkloric content from stories to analysis. The podcast is brought to you by Folklore Scotland, the charity that aims to make Scottish folklore accessible using digital platforms telling the tales of the past with the technology of today. If you'd like to become a voluntary contributor or would like to get in touch, pop us an email at info at folklorescotland.com and you can find all of our social media as well as a list of sources in the show notes below. The charity also now has a Ko-fi page which you can find in the show notes if you'd like to help us continue the work that we do. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.